Let's go. You're listening to Making Data Simple, where we make the world of data effortless, relevant, and yes, even fun. We're back again at Making Data Simple. Thank you for listening, as always. I think we're going to hit normal program today, normal programming, although there's really no such thing. Uh, what I mean is that uh, we've been on a kick for some time on startups, entrepreneurs, data AI. Today's going to be around AI, but we'll see. It's, I'm sure there's going to be leadership and everything else mixed in. Today, I am joined by Suman Kanaganti. He's the co-founder and CEO of Personal AI. Let me give him a little introduction, and then I'll turn it over to him as usual. He is a self-described entrepreneur who loves robots, technology, and humans. I'm glad he's got the human parts in there. He is uh, most known for founding Ira, where he scaled AI and AR technology to assist the blind and low vision community. Today, as the CEO of Personal AI, Suman is focused on empowering every individual to own their intelligence and be their own thought leader with an AI extension of their memory. Oh boy, we're going we're gonna to go in deep today, guys. Now, thank you for being here, Suman. It, it's a great privilege. We're going to learn a lot today. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Jump right in with your history. Tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, where you started, what your interests are, probably, you know, what, what, what your skill set is, i.e. where you graduated and what brings you to today. Wow, you started with history. Well, <laughs> if it is history, I mean, I was born and brought up in India. My first flight ever was to United States, to Midwest. I went to St. Louis and uh, for my robotics master's at University of Missouri, Columbia. Uh, it was quite a shift for me in terms of like growing up in a small, you know, university town back in India, in the southern part of India to like, you know, coming to the United States to further continue my education. So I think as you could imagine, by background, uh, very much into education. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in electrical engineering. I have a master's degree in robotics. And soon after that, I graduated, you know, I went to major corporations such as Caterpillar, Qualcomm, Intuit, you name it. But as a technologist myself, I kind of touched uh, a lot of different things, you know, from software development to hardware to systems to um, even, you know, doing some management and stuff like that. Later on, uh, you know, there was a point in time uh, when I was dealing with TurboTax and Intuit, I kind of started developing a passion for creating consumer experiences, like consumer products, specifically around people. I just generally tend to love people and creating, you know, something meaningful as you read in my bio. So there was a point in time I chose to go get my MBA because I didn't know what to do to be able to create businesses, to be able to create products and what is my path. So I, um, I did that. And then soon after that, I started a company called Ira, which was my previous company. So leading into my entrepreneurial journey, uh, the thesis or the philosophy for me has always been, you know, you don't solve the human, you solve the problem. And what does it mean? It's, it's almost like, you know, these experiences or problems that are very close to people, human, in their day-to-day -day lives. With Ira, it was pretty amazing experience because, you know, if you just think about blind people and blind community, it's, it's, it's the thing about like missing visual information, you know, that they do not have on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, in real time. And we did exactly that with technology. So it's almost like augmenting, you know, your vision by, you know, remote set of humans teleporting into their lives, you know, using camera technology to be able to create like live descriptions to negotiate with the physical environment, right? So not only is just like going from point A to point B, but also like experiencing Disneyland, going, you know, traveling independently to places, you know, reading children's books to people, right? It goes on and on in terms of like the daily activities it enables. So Ira was about augmenting vision. I think about it personal AI as like augmenting your memory. Uh, which is, you know, we we do tend to often, you know, create and consume a lot and establish like a lot of relationships every day. But, you know, we miss that. And uh, this company extends their philosophy in creating a digital version of your mind to increase access to yourself and to the people around you. I mean, of course, we'll break it down, but that's kind of history in the background. Yeah, we're going to have to today. break that down. That's pretty deep, <laughs> my friend. But hey, I, this is good. Well, let's slow down a bit. Did you say MU? 
University of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Did you did you see the KU? So, oh, I don't. Have, you see the KU sign in the back of me right here. That's the first thing that I actually saw. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was in Kansas. I, I came to Kansas as well. I, I think I also went to one of the games um, at Kansas. It was a long time ago. But soon after yep. MU, I actually came to Kansas City. Um, I lived there for a year. I was working in a company. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, you're forgiven. I like I, I like MU. I, I like to have a good. Uh, just a good jabbing every so often. <laughs> All right. So let's, let's back up for just a minute. What there has to have been something that initiated or triggered you to start Ira. No, there must have, there must have been something that, that triggered you. You just don't start a, a assist the blind technology, low vision community. That's awesome. What was the trigger point? Good question. I mean, it takes me back like 10 years ago now. The trigger point was a friend of mine who is blind and we talk a lot about technology, but, you know, if you remember that kind of history, I was a technologist back then. So this was the time when the Google Glasses, the first Google Glasses back in here, like yeah. end of 2013 yeah. or 2014 came about. So, I mean, there is a camera that is friend, that is located like right in front of your eye what would be the most meaningful use of that camera then to the people who doesn't have that access to visual or vision, right? So that was the, that was the genesis of it. Uh, we talked a lot and we experimented a lot and I had my wife actually <laughs> sit in front of a computer, look at the video that was coming through or streaming through the glasses for Mad Rock. Mad Rock lives in Denver, Colorado, by the way. Um, and we took a walk around and that was like one of the most beautiful experiments that I've ever done. And that created the company. I... I'm not making connecting the dots. That's, that's mm-hmm. awesome. So, but what, what technology are you providing the individual that is blind? I mean, how does that manifest itself? I mean, they can't see. So mm-hmm. you're giving AR technology for them to experience surroundings around them. I mean, how does it work? Okay, so how it works is a blind person wears a wearable set of glasses. Yeah. And we connect the blind person to a remote human agent. This agent is sitting in front of a computer. Uh They are teleported through a dashboard to see everything in the surroundings from the first person point of view of a blind person. Now this person is providing this like real time audio descriptions of what is going on around you. So, so the they describe it. Emotion. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, keep going then. Sorry. Yeah, they describe it, and the blind person uses the description to make decisions whether you know to move forward, to have like this mental uh, images of what's going on in their mind. It's an experience. It's a different experience. It's an audio experience, if you will. Uh, take a simple example, right? You have a mom. Mom is blind. You have to read the children, the child, a book. And it has, you know, multiple different animations, uh, the text associated with it. So the mom would call in to the remote uh, agent, which is like our trained agents. They will be describing all the pictures are, you know, reading it out loud. And the blind person would convey in her own words uh, to the child reading the book, right? That's like one example. But if you go to a complicated one, such as, you know, traveling through the airport or navigating through the airport, they would get to the airport. They would call the IRA agent. The IRA agent would describe where the doors are, where the people are, where the uh, entry point for the check-in is, essentially like navigating through the gates, getting to the right gate. There's like so many details that we take for granted in terms of how we efficiently navigate our world without vision. You know, that's how IRO kind of augments them. Essentially, you have the blind person, they could be walking. And while the the blind person is walking, let's say they're going through security, you've got an agent that can see everything and is dictating the experience so they know exactly as if they they had sight. Correct. So where did this end up? Where did this go? Where'd you start? Where'd you end up? 
Uh, I started in 2015. I left Ibra in around 2019. Right now, the company is scaling. We created something called an access network mm -hmm. throughout the country. It's actually pretty beautiful. Essentially, every Starbucks, every Walmart, every Target, every airport in the country, every bank, Bank of America, for example, has this IRA access for accessibility or increasing accessibility for people who are blind and low vision. So once you uh, go to Walmart, for example, a blind person can simply call an IRA agent and shop you know, independently by themselves without having to need an assistant to walk around with them inside the Walmart. Uh, so they would have a headset at all times. It's just something that they own. Correct. They use the headset or they can also simply use the phone, right? The phone has the camera as well. I was well. going to say. But phone kind of makes it a little bit difficult in regards to, you know, the point, like where exactly you're pointing. So there are advantages in terms of experience for using the headset, but they can simply use a phone app as well, which is predominantly what is used even today. Is it a service that the blind person would sign up for? Yes, there is a service that the blind person would subscribe for, but I was talking about the access network where individual businesses actually provide it for blind people as an accommodation, as an accessibility accommodation. So all Walmarts do this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, all Starbucks. If you go to Starbucks, you should like just pause before you enter the door and look on the right-hand side. You will see an yeah. IRA access, like you will see an IRA logo in that one. So, Very awesome, dude. And you did all this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic, man. That's good for you. So why would you leave a budding business? Um, I had bigger dreams. So Ira is awesome, and I fell in love with the community. I'm still close with the community, even after like three years building personal AI. I still go back to all the conventions. Personal AI is you know, close to me as well. So during Ira, building Ira, I met a gentleman named Larry Bock. Uh, he was my investor, my mentor. He's also a legally blind person. But the most beautiful part is he created around 27 different biotech companies. So when he started this Ira company with me, alongside with me, he, he joined me as an executive chairman. And my entrepreneurial journey, journey has you know, skyrocketed in terms of my understanding of how to deal with the business, how to, you know, understand customers and problems and everything else. And he passed away because of pancreatic cancer. Oh, uh, that was like, nine, yeah, nine months into it and nine months is, is gone, 18 months into it. So I picked up this mantra of like, what would Larry do? Uh, and over time, this core idea of like being able to reuse some of the things that he taught me is kind of fading away. So there is this constant desire of like, you know, being able to talk to Larry's AI, not just from like an emotional standpoint, but also from an intellectual standpoint. And that was kind of the genesis of what personal AI, like motivation for personal AI was or is. So fast forward, like, you know, four or five years later, you know, essentially people has a tool or an app that will allow them to create a model to be themselves, you know, that can basically pack who they are, their knowledge, their opinions, their facts into a model that people can talk to. So, yeah. Very so good. That, yeah. Well, before we get into there, all right, so we'll hit that. We'll hit that hard. But just to finish up on Ira, mm -hmm. was there any AI involved? There was AI involved. So AI was involved. So, for example, let's say a blind person walks into um, a restaurant, right? the AI on the agent side of the dashboard would automatically fetch relevant pieces of information uh, that is needed for that particular blind person. So that the exchange of the data is faster. You are not relying on, you know, the blind person holding up the menu, for example, right? And there are always almost like previous preferences for the blind person of what they would eat. So it would, it would surface on the dashboard. Back then, the AI was pretty naive, I would say. I would say. Uh, we incorporate some object recognition technologies like being able to look at a particular you know cup of coffee and say it's a starbucks coffee but that was not like um super enriching you know when the alternate option was a trained human agent was giving you like you know live descriptions but today i would do more you know ai functionalities for 
people who are blind, given the advancements in where AI is. So AI was around like 30, 40%, if you could imagine, and 60 to 70% was human. So it was a hybrid solution. That's why it's AI, artificial intelligence, and remote assistance like RA. So yeah, it's a, it's a hybrid solution to solve the problem. That is pretty pretty awesome. Uh, good work. Do you still own part of the company or did you leave it clean? No, I still have part of the company. All the day-to-day, I'm not, you know, of course, investors would have a problem with dealing with multiple different companies and they don't have capacity to do it as well. But I'm close to the community, so I think that's kind of what gives me energy. And stay. Did you have a co-founder or just a co-investor when you did that company? I did have co-founders. So Larry was my co-founder, as I was mentioning in the story. Uh, yeah. But I had Yuja uh, and Watson, and my brother was also initially the co-founder. So we all came together, putting together the solution like way back in 2015. Did you sell or? or I, did you I, I left. So it's still operating. It's still a growing business. How big did you get it? Uh, how, what's the size of the company? During my time, it was $70 million. $70 million, man. Congratulations. That's, pretty, that's a pretty good success. All right. If you're good, then let, let's pivot to your most pressing opportunity, which is personal AI. Before I do this, I would be remiss. remiss. <laughs> Anytime you talk about AI, and even if you're not talking about AI, somehow you got to say chat GPT. So we got to get that out. <laughs> There's chat GPT. Again, we've said it. Any comments, any observations in the industry right now with the inflection point of chat GPT? Has it helped? Has it hurt? what we're about to go through in personal AI, or you say it is what it is? I think it helps. Um, here's the reason why. ChatGPT approach to what it is doing, it, it's uh, different or maybe exactly opposite to personal AI. But fundamentally, the AI technologies, overall awareness around the AI, overall, you know, some of the common elements of the use of the AI, I think it's still the same. My analogy would be, you know, you probably have like a mainframe computer, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But then later on, you had this personal computers. But the interfaces, if you will, like such as keyboards, such as mouses, those kinds of like stay. So I think with a chat GPT, which is a large language model, our personal AI, which is a small language model, which is, you know, targeted for one individual. Uh, overall, awareness is the same because the interface is like how you communicate, how you prompt, how you interact, you know, similar to keyboards back then, would be beneficial to everybody. It's just different approaches, solves different problems. Sounds good. So, folks, as I'm talking with Suman here in the background, he's got like a neon sign that says personal.ai, very cool sign. So, tell us what is, I mean, fundamentally, what is personal AI? Fundamentally, personal AI is a model. It's a language model. And the goal of this language model is to be like you. What does it mean? It is to learn your ways of expression using your own knowledge, using your own opinions, as well as using your own facts. For example, we kind of touched on ChatGPT. ChatGPT is trained on internet of data, right? If you ask ChatGPT who you are, it may not know you. If you ask ChatGPT what is your favorite restaurant to go to, it may not know you. But your personal language model is tailored, is basically created to learn to be like you. Are you suggesting we don't know ourselves? (laughs) (laughs) We probably do know ourselves, but we probably do not have enough capacity to keep up with the information or who we are. So the core idea is 80% of who we are and what we create, what we consume is forgotten and it's lost. So, so the experience that we have created is essentially a simple communication experience. Let's take a simple example, right? Like we've been communicating about IRA, right? Uh, you probably still have questions to me or you probably want to like recall some of the um, stories that I may have shared with Larry Walker, IRA. And, and by this time you already has forgotten. So you would probably send me a message or a text message. And then I could choose to like type all those things again to you. Or in this case, because I have my own personal AI, based on what you ask me, it will automatically draft me a response. So if I can simply review it and send it to you. It is still my mind, it is still my voice, 
is still like my authentic expression and experience, except that it is helping me, you know, quickly draft these responses and send it. And sometimes that information that my AI will be able to fetch is probably forgotten because we are also human beings, we forget things. So it's not just about like saving time, but it's also about a collection of all your expression, um, all your experiences that potentially will be useful into the future and you don't know when to recall what kind of information AI are probably, you know, help as an extension of ourselves. So if chat GPT is a large language model, we're talking, mm-hmm. I don't know, 250 billion parameters. I mean, it's a scrape of the internet. Mm-hmm. How many parameters does something like personal AI use? It's a 120 million parameters. It's a personal language model. And it's a very good question because that will give you the contrast of how personal is this personal language model versus a large language model, 170 billion, I believe it's a GPT-3 and there is four as well now. So if you see, you know, 120 million versus 170 billion, right? Obviously, uh, that's the level of, I guess, uh, difference in, in these models. And by the way, we do not share the data between people, right? Every person has their own data. We call them a memory stack. <laughs> Every model is unique to you. So in other words, Al will have a unique model of you. Suman will have a unique model of me. And the data between those two people or those two models is not shared. It's private. So where is the or where are the the parameters gathered and trained? I mean, how does it, how does it find out about Al? How, how how do I create my quote unquote memory stack? Now that goes back to the experience, like what we have created. Uh, we basically exposed Al this a chat application, right? So if you if you think about like Chat GPT, Chat GPT is a human communicating with a pre-trained AI model using chat. What we have done is um, we also have created a chat interface, but we have optimized it for human-to-human communication. So think text messaging, think WhatsApp, where you are communicating with other people. So any text message that you send to yourself on personal AI chat application or any message that you send to me or to other people in personal AI chat application will be used in training. So if you say it once, you don't have to, you don't have to say it again. It will automatically so, surface it for you. Is it monitoring then your chat? I mean, it must be monitoring something. What, what, you, is it, what do you have it monitoring? Yeah, so if you are using personal AI chat application, which is a desktop application on your Mac, and there's a mobile application as well coming up on your iPhone, depending on when this goes live, technically it's monitoring are training on any message that you send to yourself or to anybody. And you still have choice. In other words, let's just say you told me, like someone, uh, my kid, you know, is thinking about KU and you have like specific activities, but if you don't want your AI to train on it, you can simply, uh, we call this action like unstack, meaning it doesn't go into the training process. It's not remembered forever, right? But, but you do have some general opinion and general things about KU that you are okay for your AI to be trained on, then you have a choice to stack it. So it's essentially monitoring all the messages that you send, send any, anywhere else. Think about a message as nothing but a piece of text, a paragraph, some knowledge, a document, right? You can think about a message of anything that you normally communicate on iMessage or WhatsApp or any other communication tools. Do you... Um then turn it on on your phone. It's kind of like a app, for lack of a better term, a, a listening thread or an app that's listening to email, I presume, text, like you said, WhatsApp, etc. So you give it permission and then it'll just follow along and essentially start building a database. Yeah, so at the basic, we do not ask for that. At the basic, you can use personal AI chat itself. It's a native application. You can invite your friends, your contacts, and use it like WhatsApp in itself. So you're actually chatting through it. It's a chat interface. It is a chat interface. That's what I meant to say. Yep. Yes. It is a chat it application. Is. Like it's a native chat application, but then people are currently living in WhatsApp and iMessage. So we do have some integrations coming along that can expand or drop your personal AI in other places. So that way you can still reap the benefits from it. Why couldn't you set it up so like, like by example, my email, if I did 
looked at Outlook or Apple Mail, whatever the case may be, you could have it essentially go through all my responses and get trained like relatively immediately because it's went through all my responses over the last two years. And then all of a sudden I can just have it start answering all my email. Yep. So we are doing that as well. <laughs> well the, the path we have chosen is we have chosen a path to create like a native application so that where there is more control and people do not worry about like, you know, where the where data is going because fundamentally we have principle on the privacy and everything else. But to your point, uh, we choose to basically expose APIs. So for any data you want to ingest into your personal AI or any uh, response that you want to get out of your personal AI, you can essentially integrate and develop. But now that we have the API exposed, the next immediate integration is getting the data inside out from your existing chat application and existing email applications. So yes, you should anticipate that integration to be available. Uh, for example, as of today, uh, the data can be ingested. Like if you have a Twitter account and if you're a tweeter, it will basically get all your tweets and bootstrap and boop, you already have a good model that kind of you know knows your views and opinions and style. Um, we also have like so, Google Drive integration. Yep. Mm -hmm. So when do you pivot to using it? In other words, when when can you leverage the training that personal AI has has done for you. All right, so it knows you now. It's developed your parameters. It's got 120 million or whatever it was parameters. It's ready to go. Now, how do I use it? Yeah, so the experience that we are encouraging people to do it is start, start messaging, start chatting, and then it will learn even with one memory. Like even with one piece of information that you already said once, it will... Um, surface for you when somebody else asks you about the same question or the same thing. Uh, so you can start it on day one and then slowly build it over because it functions like a chat application. So I think the question you are asking is at what point or when or why I should switch from using a WhatsApp to using personal AI. Currently what we are observing is, you know, uh, parents, small business owner groups, study groups, communities, uh, podcasters, uh, we are starting to see them slowly switch their, you know, groups or chats into personal AI because one, it is private. Two, you have your AI continuously training. And there is a launch concept, which is when you create a group, like a WhatsApp group, you're not only, what do you call, interacting with people around you, but also interacting with uh, your own AI that is continuously developing and building. So is um, that to say, if I'm in personal AI as a chat interface, my friend Scott sends me a text it will make a suggestive response mm -hmm. and I can yep. either use that or not. Exactly. Exactly what you should expect. So pretty soon I can be talking to my friends and we can not even be there. We could just be talking with one another and not even know what's going on. <laughs> but just, just let it go. And then all of a sudden, you know, Hey, look, let's see what I did today. <laughs> I've been wanting to clone myself. So this is the way to do it. No. This is a, yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> the, our goal is to give control to you, right? So you can set it to co-pilot. Let's say you and me are friends in personal AI. And by the way, you can chat with me if you have a documentation. I'll send you my, my domain. I'll send it to you in the chat. You know, we are chatting with each other. They just say very simple, basic example. And then someone is like, hey, I'm scheduling a podcast with you. And I tell you that, uh, Al, I'm visiting India. I'm going to come at the end of the month. Uh, how about let's do it in June, right? I gave you a piece of information, right? But my AI knows about that because I told you once. But let's say some other friend, some other, some other like work person is like, hey man, when are you coming back? Because I need to, uh, you know, get you a time like in person. My AI already knows that. So it will draft me a response for me. Yes, I can choose to control and, you know, still personalize it. But in most cases, you know, right now today, even in, in the current setting, like 70 to 80% of the cases, it might, AI responding, uh, drafting messages. Well, basically, it would say something like, um, you, you know, I plan to be back in June or whatever mm -hmm. it was. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's exactly what you should expect. And then now multiply that with all the things that happens in your life, like all the, you know, information, all the knowledge, all the personal, personal facts and your communication. And you can basically compartmentalize, you know, family, my work, my podcast life, my Twitter life, et cetera, et cetera. So this is mostly text. Where do you plan to go with this? The goal is for everybody to have their own asset, like a digital asset, right? 
uh, even if you think about today, uh, like all this communication, all these messages that you are having in multiple different apps everywhere else, you don't have anything. There's like no good convergence, right? So the goal for us is like to converge all this output of like, you know, who you are going out on the internet to belong into this one model that you actually own, you know, that will, of course, today will help you draft and be effective and, you know, do get some tasks done. But in the future, kids can also still communicate, you know, continue having conversations with you. So it's like, it's almost this concept of like everlasting connection, right? Once you're in personal AI, if you choose to, you can be connected with anybody forever because you have your autopilot that will respond for you. Well, selfishly, where I could see a real significant use case for me is, like I said earlier, is to have something that would help me draft email messages. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to be able to go through my email and just like riddle through it. I mean, that's a perfect example you give. Like a lot of times an email, they're asking, like uh, somebody just asked me, are you available tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock? So that would be an easy one that I say, yes, I'm available or no, I'm not available. And boom, hit go, go to the next email. That would help me because the bane of my existence is email, to be honest with you. But uh, I think I could see some really significant use cases. But what use cases am I not thinking about that you're really thinking about? I mean, look, I'm, I'm talking to like def, different kinds of people like lately, right? Because we, we start out like with very broad. I mean, the idea of like, okay, cloning yourself into this model, everybody has different ideas. So, you know, I'm speaking to like few parents now because I'm talking to them and their needs are, you know what? I just want to create this AI so that I can feed in all, you know, my thoughts on what my uh, kids uh, needs to know and i want my kids to be communicating in personal ai so that way that you know the data doesn't go anywhere and moreover my ai kind of automatically knows like how i would respond to it uh, and in the future it kind of there, there's a thing about like you know saving all the things that you would communicate uh, you know and give them an asset for for future kids to kind of you know, basically communicate right uh, but a small business owner they would be communicating with the customers or clients. You know, they would probably have lots of existing, pre-existing information. So their use case would be, oh, I want to engage my uh, customers on the specific topics in a specific group, and I want my AI to know all these frequently asked questions so that way, you know, I don't have to like repeat the same answers and contextually relevant, it will construct these responses for you, right? Uh, so that's another use case. Um, our goal is to go after consumers uh, not necessarily go after corporation data or aggregation of data. So a activist, a parent, a student, a teacher, a small business owner, you know, a podcaster, a researcher, they all have different use cases because everybody has their own data and their own needs. In the end, it just communicate. It, it just comes down to what your AI knows. So it's a very flexible platform, but at the same time, the goal is to keep it like super simple and you know, per your podcast is CS5, making data simple. And the data is like a text message. Like how, what, what else can be like as simple to understand training your AI other than simply sending text messages. So yeah, so that's kind of where we are. And it's a very broad platform. Pretty much any individual person can use for free to begin with. And eventually, you know, small businesses, uh, as you expand the premium functionalities would go into subscription but everybody will own their own model. We don't own the models. What's interesting to me is, um, I got a question on that, but is that I could see that use case that you mentioned where if you did have, especially young kids, and you were doing texting between your kids in personal AI, you are essentially creating a, a database of guidance and mm-hmm. direction towards kids that they could reference later on. Yep. Yep. Even even if it was generative AI, (laughs) this could be dangerous, but just like ChatGPT or anything else like that, it could finish your sentences, even if it didn't have the answer in the future. What what do you think dad would say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, which is a little dangerous, but uh, I mean, because that's where, uh, you know, I I think ChatGPT gets a bad rap, probably rightfully so. What's it called? Uh, 
not intuition, what's the word? Hallucination. Hallucination. Uh, with, with the hallucinations. Yeah. But on other times, you know, maybe you want some of that hallucination. Maybe uh, dad is no longer around for whatever reason, and you would want to know what he would say. Get yeah, some advice he, from dad. That's exactly right. So here's a beautiful part, right? So we have incorporated chat GPT as part of the platform. So what does it mean? Let's just say, you know, we, you know, your, your kid asks you for a particular guidance about a specific thing, but you do not have that within your data corpus. It does consult with large language models and construct a response for you. But then how would you know? Well, you would know with something called a personal score, meaning every response, even in draft state or in the autopilot state that your personal language model constructs has a score. It ranges between like 10% all the way till like 90%, right? But anything that is coming from general, you know, it normally revolves around like 15, 20, or 25% because it's not personal enough. But you can still use that information if you would want to. And you would, Al would choose to personalize it. And maybe you agree with the statement. So you would simply add it to your own, you know, mind because it is authentic to you. And then it becomes more trusted because uh, like your kid would trust anything that is like 55, 60, 70, 80%. It's like, oh, you know, of course it is authentic to my dad. So that's kind of the experience you should expect from personal AI once you hop on. Essentially. That's pretty cool. I could also see value in like self-reflection. Mm -hmm. I do that all the time. Oh my God. So the, the beauty is um, I have like lots of data about myself, my childhood. Uh, so when you think about like, okay, using the data that I have, but also kind of taking some of the ideas that exist out there in the world. If I have a background in, you know, robotics, AI, but I allow people, what are some of the future industries that I could potentially be, you know, aiming for to, to, to fulfill my desires and passion. So it can basically take my data but also mix it up with what may exist in the outside world and provide suggestions. So yeah, so it gets it gets pretty deep depending on how you would want to shape it. <laughs> I can tell you what I could use it for is just finding a place to eat sometimes. A lot. I mean, I can't tell you enough how many times uh -huh. that I were trying to think of some place to eat. I'm like, I go blank. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And then as soon as you sit down at the restaurant that you finally chose, you go, you know what? I forgot. We should have ate at that new restaurant we were talking about. It'd be great if I, if I, if I had myself to think for me. <laughs> okay. Speaking of like food, right. And speaking of use cases right now in personal AI, I have my team as well because, you know, technically it's a chat application. So I chat with my team, with my own AI. So my, um, EA, my, my executive admin, he basically orders food for me every day because you're always doing podcasts, I guess. Um, <laughs> but he gets ideas on, you know, what I may feel like eating from my AI. It's just for ideation, right? Because it's still very much personal to what I would pick from cafe versus what kind of sushi that I would get. It's like, okay, what do you feel like eating today, right? And then it has multiple of my favorite things that I normally do. So it basically consists of things that is still very much falls within the realm of my personal choices that I would make. And I usually get anything that I would normally eat. So it's awesome. What, what is your monetization strategy? Uh, I cannot share my screen because. Well, they can't um, see it anyway, <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> describe your, your, I mean, so what is it? Is it an app you pay for? Oh, no, no, no. I was, I was going to say about like sharing because my uh, EA like asked something and it said, I would recommend the chicken sandwich from the cafe. Yeah. Uh, it's a personal favorite of mine. So it's actually a real example that I'm giving you right now because I'm oh, staying together. Subscriptions. Um, it is a subscription model, but, but um, it is free to start with. Our core intention is everybody should have a right to create their own AI and own their own data and have that model. So what we have done is we basically reduced our cost associated with creating a model at the at the base, um, and we have saved some of the premium functionalities such as integrating, um, using API access, getting the data in faster, uh, dropping your personal AI in existing 
like you know messaging applications or email applications anything that goes into a little bit more small business focused applications uh, we made those things premium so that way everyday consumer it can be for free for personal use or even for professional use to a certain degree and then uh, for small businesses uh, they would pay a subscription fee it's a monthly subscription fee to continue to train their model and keep their you know ai active and how much of your ai is being in use like for example tony robbins you know he'll probably have millions of millions of followers right and people want to communicate with him and obviously this is about like scaling time and scaling his own personal brand of all the things that he communicates and speaks so people can now talk to his ai and that would you know the more used ai would be uh, costly so it's the thing about it is like how many alls one would need so we will give you the first all for free if you need a second al third al fourth al uh, clones if you will then that goes into subscription how many users you have today we are very early we have few thousands i don't know if i am allowed to say the number uh, but we are also opening up opening up um, so we are ready to basically remove the wait list and open up and tell people and waiting for a mobile application to be out which is few weeks away so kind of excited to go tell people the story of personal ai and let you know let let uh, let it go while for everybody can now own something of their digital life and own something called their own ai is all the data stored on cloud it is stored on the cloud uh, however if you are against it pro but basically we we basically create a private key it's an encryption key on blockchain and give that Uh, a mechanism make that as mechanism for ownership and control so meaning you can essentially leave uh, all the data and nobody else will see it and the company cannot see it as well so we are implementing we basically are implementing uh, you owning the private key for yourself uh, and that will be used as encryption decryption of the data so how do i know that no one else has access to my data i know i got an encryption key mm-hmm. how do i know you encryption key yeah very good question So blockchain the way system works is um we are using something called Oasis Labs Oasis Labs is a blockchain provider so essentially you would go to Oasis Labs portal and you would see who the humans are who the applications has access to be able to decrypt using your private key so you can essentially go into that portal and remove you know personal ai uh, even the computer the application or if there are any humans in there Uh, access to it for example if you you know want to keep your stack and your model for yourself you can choose to add your family member as a additional owner of the data and model very nice man this is a and it sounds like right now your use case is primarily on personal ai that the text uh interface but you're looking at expanding it in other directions as well hopefully mm-hmm. an email soon because i need it for email Yeah, email is inevitable. It's a matter of weeks to months. Um we are letting community developers to kind of develop it for some of these applications. So I think once we open up you know some open source we have some mechanisms to open source some of these um, libraries as well. So it doesn't have to be just us developing on top of personal AI. For you it could be email somebody else so it could be outlook you know which probably requires a little bit different integration. Uh, and somebody else you know it could be instagram who knows mm-hmm. um, so i think the choice that we have made is hey look here is the api uh and we need help for developing multiple different integrations and maybe open source some of those as well where can folks reach you and where can they reach personal ai well personal ai is pretty easy personal.ai <laughs> reaching me is also pretty easy it's my letter s s.personal.ai so if you actually go in there you will see a link to chat with me that will basically add me as a friend and we can communicate with infosnl ai text system sounds good do you have anything that you'd like to share in terms of communication outside of personal ai like uh uh linkedin or anything Oh yeah, sure. I mean, Suman Kamiganti, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter, Suman Personal AI. Um as well as I have a Facebook as well, Kamiganti Suman. But if you just type in Suman Kamiganti, I think it will spit out everything. 
but I would, you know, obviously choose to communicate in personal AI itself. What's your, uh, where do you think this business is going to be in three years? What's your hopes and dreams? I mean, if you ask me where it should be in 10 years, I would say every person should have their own personal AI. If you ask me, okay, in three years, it depends on how well we execute and what kind of support we get in terms of making this go viral with every single person having it. Um, so I would say, I don't know, a few seven to eight digit people uh, would start creating and developing and using their own personal AIs for their own benefits would be my targets, our hopes. Do you have a prediction on where this entire space is going to be? I mean, there's a lot of startups. We got ChatGPT that has gotten everybody interested. I mean, everybody should have known this was somewhat coming, but you don't know until you see it and you can feel it. And I think ChatGPT has been a an inflection point from that standpoint. Here at IBM, I mean, it's been really good for us because it brings in closed domain systems, uh, systems kind of like what you're talking about, personal AI. Mm -hmm where we're solving business problems for the enterprise. So it's been great. It's been a great advertisement. But look, there's a lot of new startups. Yeah, yours is completely intriguing. Awesome. I'm glad that you're you're uh, on this endeavor. What do you think's the prediction of what, what the future is going to look like? What are we going to see? <laughs> so I believe pretty much every business will have some sort of AI integrated into their offerings or their services. I also believe there will be winners and there will be losers, but there will be two schools of AIs that will likely develop. One would be like general large, you know, general use uh, models, such as large language models. I think those continue to develop, but, but clearly, you know, we are already seeing penetration in the corporations, like, you know, closed domain models that like you are talking about. Uh, and then there is personal AI, which is like even close to an individual or private uh, we are talking about. I think the future, from my perspective, the hardware that we are accommodating in our own lives will capture more and more data, right? Because not just the computers, we have our phones and we have our wearable devices. So we'll start capturing more and more data. But we will also see more and more data kind of getting aggregated to make things easy for us. And from a personal AI perspective, we want to be able to aggregate individual data and put that in the models. And the future may be, hey, it's not about when you open a particular app on an iPhone or open a particular experience, you are making API calls to a service or sending data to a service to get the service, such as your GPS location or your data or your restaurants or whatever it is. But those services are actually making an API calls to you, right? To your AI or to your business AI. So I think the next level of interactions would likely be not over APIs, but it's almost like uh, AI, uh, APIs that are built on top of individual AIs, either it be business, either it be brand, either it be individual, or either it be large language models. So I think that's the shift that we are probably going. Anything about this scare you? The scary part is the data, the data ownership. If you don't know where the data is heading to, if you don't know who is owning what data, and if you don't know what's the attribution of the data is from the output standpoint, you should think about it twice. That's good advice. You don't think these uh, hallucinations are going to get out of control by which we don't know what's right and what's wrong? Uh, it will. And that's one of the reasons why attribution is important. So you got to make choices depending on what your life is, depending on what you're trying to achieve. If it is simply fun, uh, well, hallucination. Uh, hallucinations are fun but if you are you know if you want you know hold people accountable for the things that it is saying even you know if it's recommending something saying a fact saying an opinion then you need to have an attribution terminator i don't think so i think about it as technology is always going to be a foundation meaning humans are always smarter and builds on top of what technology offers us um so i don't see a world of terminator as much as uh the things that we build now we have a additional technology foundation. Earlier it was, you know, computers, then internet plus computers, then platforms. Now it's computers plus AI. So we'll be building things on top of it. Well, you think computers are going to get more distributed with yeah, AI yes. on top? In other words, you think we'll actually move away from cloud? 
No, but I think what will happen is there will be more penetration of personal computing in our uh, lives. So just think about how many devices that you had 10 years ago and how many devices that you have right now, like that you own at your home. Okay? You're probably like laptop. And, and now think about how many of those devices are connected devices. When I say connected, it's connected to the internet. So there is some sort of a data exchange going back and forth. But I think what may, what may happen is there is more of computational power that gets closer to devices that are in our pockets. So that there will be less need of going to the server, you know, traversing it across the internet and internet will become mostly like an exchange, like the basic exchange uh, of, you know, any human to human or human to business communication. Mm -hmm. But the computation will likely move more and more closer to our devices. So a true internet of things finally becoming reality with AI built on top and compute and storage at the source. Exactly. And, and there are like good amounts of efforts and research that is happening for having these chips, uh, not only on your iPhone devices, but also there is IoT edge focused models, uh, uh, chips as well that are coming. And that's our inevitable future, which is personally our models are so small, we just want to run it on your phone. So you own everything inside it. And that's your brain that you're carrying. Any uh, books you recommend? Or any literature you'd say, hey, look, if you're in the space or whether you're not, I mean, just one of your favorite books, I'll take anything as we wrap up. Um, I'm in the space of like, you know, experiential and creating. So I think I'm more, uh, less, uh, I, I like to say Yuval Harari Sapien series, Homo Sapiens. Yes. I think it's, it's, awesome. it's a, I really love it because it just puts you into a future time that you can kind of work backwards on to achieve this future, what are the things that we would need to build or what are the things that will likely happen? So I think it will give a very good macro perspective on how we should be, or what kind of actions or projects or things that we should be working on today. There's always like things has to collectively come together. So I don't know. I think Yuval Harari Sapiens, I think is a, is a fantastic it's a great book. book. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to read it again. Because it was that good. I'm with you. I mean, he'd done a lot of research. I mean, it, I like the history and the future. I mean, both yep. sides were very good. Yep. So what do you do for fun, man? When you're not doing all personal AI, what do you do for fun? <laughs> uh, I have a five-year-old, so I spend a lot of time with her. And it's kind of fun. And she talks to my AI as well. <laughs> <laughs> so you're starting off early. By the time uh, you know, ten years from now, she'll she'll she won't even need to talk to you directly. She just talks to the AI. See what Dad would say. Yeah, it's already kind of funny because she's smart enough right now. It's like, oh, but but let's ask your AI first. <laughs> I don't want you to change. <laughs> yeah, she's gonna funny. change the answer. How many times? She'll just keep it so she gets the right answer she wants. It's going to be I, manipulated I have, like everything else. I have different personal <laughs> thresholds for her. I always said it like 50%. So that way it doesn't hallucinate and give some random answers that it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, you're already hedging. Already hedging. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. good. Hey, thank you for being with me today. I learned a lot. This is awesome technology, Suman. And, uh, uh, I can't thank you enough for being here. So thank you for joining us today and sharing your wisdom. Uh, folks, as you're listening, go visit Personal AI. Join join the text and uh, learn a little bit about yourself. Thank you for being here. Thank you all. It was fun. Suman Kanagati, everybody. Thank you for listening. Hit me on almartintalksdata at gmail.com. I'll see you on the podcast. See you all.